This is Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International, a non-denominational end times ministry dedicated to fulfilling a divine commission to trumpet forth warnings from God concerning the imminent second coming of Christ and the impending judgment of God upon the ungodly. God has sent Dr. Hansen to many nations of the world with a solemn warning to the political and religious leaders and citizenry to repent of their sinfulness and wickedness or face the catastrophic judgments that will soon be unleashed upon the unbelieving world. Listen now to the warnings of our compassionate and merciful Creator conveyed through His faithful prophetic spokesman, the host of Warning Radio, Dr. Jonathan Hansen. This is Jonathan Hansen, President of World Ministries International. I want to welcome you to the Warning Radio program. In my office, first-time guest... Nathan Gobb. It's a privilege to have him. I know his father, Ken Gobb, very well. And if you've been listening to this warning radio program over the years, you know that periodically, yearly, he comes on my program. In fact, I just had him. But uh, Nathan, welcome to the warning radio program. Good to be here today. Well, it's always good having you. I know I met you years ago at uh, what they called Idea Exchange in Florida, and uh, we had we had some good exchange of ideas. That's right. And uh, now you're here with me. I, I wanted to get you here for a long time, and we finally made it happen. Now, Nathan, why don't you uh, just tell the people, this is the first time they've listened to you on these channels, uh, tell them a little bit about yourself, like how you grew up, uh, when you found the Lord as your personal Savior. Okay. Well... Since you've heard my father, Ken Gobb, yes. when I was growing up, our whole family was traveling on the road. That's right. Our family was a Christian music group, so we were traveling all the time. We lived on a big tour bus, and we were home here in Washington State, usually about two weeks a year, and the rest of the time we were traveling. Wow. So it was a little bit different kind of life. And my, my first experience with the Lord is hard to quantify because some people have a testimony where they say, one day I was in church and the Lord touched me and I went down to the front and gave my life to Jesus. I don't have that experience. Okay. What I have is I grew up in the ways of the Lord at a very early age, came to understand the existence of God. Yes. And came to understand what that had to mean to me in my life. So as I went forward, I kind of grew into the reality of God. Okay. As opposed to having that, holy moment when I fell down at the altar and said, God, save me. Yes, yes. Um, I grew in the understanding of the reality of who God was in my life. So I don't ever remember a time 
when that reality didn't exist. You know, that reminds me of of, of Cain and Abel mm-hmm. uh, growing in the, you know, they, they knew the reality of God. Mm-hmm. Abel chose to follow the ways of God. In other words, God became his savior. Uh, Cain, on the other hand, went a different direction. But they, they both knew mentally the reality of God. Right. And Abel started following the Lord personally, and uh, Cain again went the other direction. So that's where you are. You're, you're like an Abel. Continue, Nathan. Yeah, so I went from being a kid singing in our family music group to starting one of the very early contemporary Christian music groups back in the late 60s, early 70s. And... Uh, was not real well accepted by the church. Okay. And we knew that. Sure. Because it was seriously rock and roll. Wow. And um, my father always encouraged us. He said, if you're going to reach the world, you can't do it singing, shall we gather at the river? Yes, yes. He said, we've got to understand what the world is trying to hear and what they will understand and speak that to them in a way that helps them understand that having God in their life is what they're missing. You know, that's a lot of wisdom. It really was, because he honestly was not fond of the music we did. Okay. But he didn't care. Yeah. (laughs) His attitude was, yeah, I don't like it, but it's not my music. Yeah. He said, so if you feel that's what God wants you to take to the world, then do it. Don't let anybody stop you. Wow. And um, and he encouraged us at yes. every level. Yes. And so we became just one of the early groups traveling around doing that. And um, I did it until I was nearly 40. Wow. Wow. And at that point, you get to a point where you're just exhausted of living on buses all your life. I understand. A little bit, I understand. I just finished a six-week tour, 25 states, and you get tired of living out of a suitcase. Yes, you do. You had a suitcase. We didn't even have suitcases. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we had a, a Honda Odyssey van. And so most of the time, we were in and out of motels. Yeah, we had it a little easier than that. We traveled with a couple of semis full of equipment and two big buses that were converted into tour buses with bedrooms and living rooms. See, that's beautiful. That is beautiful. That way, our stuff was in a closet. We didn't have to have suitcases. Well, let me tell you something. If if I was on the road as many years as you were, I I would do something like that, too. Yeah. We were traveling on the road with a five-piece band and a 14-man road crew. Wow. Because we had 40 tons of gear that went in for every event. I'll tell you, uh, that took a lot of even resources. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's not, uh, that's not cheap to travel no. with those type of uh, needs. No, our, at that point, our break-even every day, we had to bring in around $7,000 a day just to pay the bills. Wow, wow, wow. 
I can appreciate that because, you know, trying to reach the world here at World Ministries, we have to bring in so much every month. And uh, because of, like you said, to pay the bills. Yep. Well, my father was supportive of what we did. Because when we first started, we were doing it in churches. And then we went on to where we were doing it in secular venues. Sure. We opened often for major secular rock and roll bands. Wow. Because the idea was to take the message that God loves you to people that needed to hear it. Yeah, exactly. We didn't feel like going to churches and singing was doing that. Okay. So we began playing in nightclubs. We began playing in concert venues, opening for major bands. We began going anywhere we could. We played in the world's largest nightclub, which was in Tel Aviv, Israel at the time. 10,000 seats in a nightclub. My goodness. And just told them about Jesus. Wow. And so it had challenges. It had virtually no support from the Christian audience. We were recording for a secular record label. We were playing to non-Christian people, which seemed like the place we should be. But it didn't get any support at all from the Christian world. And so when you were, you said, if I understood correctly, you were sort of tag teaming with these uh, uh, secular uh, performers. Mm-hmm. And uh, did they ever object to you trying to reach people for Christ? Never. Okay. In fact, they were very supportive of it. Wonderful. Um, we did a concert with a um, really well-known African-American black lady who remains unnamed. And um, she had issues. She yeah. did a lot of drugs. Sure. And um, we, when we were the opening act, because she was a big star. Sure. So when we were done, there was a red light over by one of the exits. And we told the crowd that if you're struggling in your life, and you need somebody to help you when this is over tonight, that red light will come on, and there will be people through that door that can help you work your way through your problems with substances and depression and stuff like that. And we had, every time we did that, we had three or 400 people in that crowd go to that door. Wow. In fact, at one point, the star who we were opening for she started doing it at the end. She was given an altar call for us. Oh, my goodness. And, and she didn't even realize that's what she was doing. <laughs> so, you know, God gave us a lot of favor yes. working with secular groups. Wow. And Do some of these secular stars, do they accept Christ, some of them? Well, what a lot of people don't realize is in secular music, there are a lot of Christians. Uh-huh. And we opened for some big bands that were loaded with Christian people. Okay. And uh, they were very supportive of what we did. Wow. Okay, so now, what what transitioned you out of it? Age. Okay. We were doing what was very cutting-edge rock and roll-style music, and that's exhausting. It is... 
lots of time on the road. We didn't get home sometimes for a year and a half at a time. My goodness. And we would be literally on the road playing three to five nights a week for a year and a half. Now, do you mind if I tell the people your age? No, that's okay. Now, listen to this. You know, Ken Gobb, some of you know him. Uh, evangelist, I call him an international comedian evangelist. Great, great guy. Been my friend for over 20 years. Funny guy. I love bringing him in because my message, apostolic prophetically, sometimes can get serious. And they need a good laugh. And your dad makes them laugh the whole time. In fact, one of the people that uh, was part of the audience when he came through said, I couldn't stop laughing. In fact, bent over to my wife and said, it's hurting so bad. He's got to stop. So anyway, uh, I believe that laughter and our emotions are created by God and and we are supposed to have joy and laughter and everything else. And that's the whole point of the fivefold gifts of ministry. It reaches a different need. But uh, so anyway, uh, Nathan is 66. And that's so right. if you're if you're shocked, you know, Ken Gobb, I won't tell you his age, but he's older than that. And uh, he's the father. Well, he he doesn't mind People tell him his but age. But isn't your father 86? 87. 87. Wow. So, I mean, uh, you can see that uh, he transitioned out because it took such a wear and tear on his body. Okay. I was I was exhausted. Yeah. When I left the road at 40 years old, I had never lived in a house my entire life. That's incredible. Um, it was a rude awakening. Yes. Because I was, I bought a house in Oklahoma. Okay. And I moved in. I didn't have anything to move in. I had to go buy a bed. I mean, I didn't have anything because I'd never lived like that. Right. And I moved in with a bed. I didn't have anything else. Just had a place to sleep. Yes. And three suitcases full of clothes. (laughs) And I um, woke up. About 11 o'clock at night and was hungry. And I started looking for the phone to call room service. <laughs> and there was no room service. I thought, this is a terrible house. They don't have room service. <laughs> i tell you what. Ladies and gentlemen, I hope you can picture what he's saying. And so you, you went into your first home in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have room service. Nope. And I don't know any home that has room service other than uh, these multimillionaires that have their maids and everything. Well, I had been living on a bus and staying in hotels. Sure, sure. We had room service about five nights a week. Isn't that something? And um, then real life slapped me in the face. Yeah. And um, I spent some time in Oklahoma and um, working a music industry job. Wow. And then I ended up living in Washington, D.C., and then I went to Florida and worked for a ministry down there for a while, and and uh, I've been just helping my father with things right now. I'm semi-retired, and I still go out and speak quite a bit. Okay. Well, we've got about 13 more minutes, and I want to get into, um, you know, not too long ago you had a stroke. Yes. And I want to I want to get into this into some of these uh, 
if we want to say, attack some of these challenges with your health and how God brought you through? Yeah, I um, I went to the airport to pick up a friend. Okay. And when we left the airport, I was driving him to his hotel. He was in town visiting my dad and I. And on my way, and this is from other people telling me what happened. Okay. I was driving. I didn't feel real good. the last thing I remembered. And... I passed out behind the wheel. Oh, my. But I was only doing about 10 miles an hour. Okay. And I rear-ended a pickup. But I was driving a late-model Buick, and when a Buick hits the back end of a pickup, the Buick loses. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so I, um, the guy I was with, he said, something's wrong with you. He said... Um, I'm going to drive you to the hospital. And I said, no, I just don't feel well. I need to go home. Well, I don't remember any of this. And so he drove me home and then called my dad to come get him and take him to his hotel. And um, my wife is a retired nurse. Okay. And she got home about an hour later, and she came in the house, and she looked at me, and being a retired nurse, she knew what was going on. Okay. I was having a stroke. Wow. And so she called real quick to the hospital, and we live out in the country, so she told them, it'll be quicker for me to get him to the hospital than you to get an ambulance here. Okay. She got me in the car, and again, I don't remember anything this day. You bet. And I woke up in the hospital. Okay. And I was having a very severe stroke. My goodness. Caused by a blood clot. Okay. That had gone right through my brain. Wow. And I didn't know who anybody was. I didn't know who I was. And uh, my wife, being a retired nurse, she often wears, for just running around or working on something... She wears what nurses call scrubs. Okay. Which is the clothes you see a nurse wearing. You bet. Because she had a lot of it left over from when she was a nurse. Sure. Um, well, I didn't know who she was. Okay. I just thought she was a nurse. And after a few days, I thought she was kind of a forward nurse because she spent yeah. the night hanging out in my room. Oh, and my. it was just weird. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I did not know what was going on. Wow. And a doctor put me on some natural stuff that was an anti-inflammatory, and it began to take the swelling in my brain down. Okay. And in a matter of another week in the hospital, I'd been in about three weeks, matter of another week, I was remembering everybody. Okay. Everything was starting to come back. And so I was getting ready to go home. And the blood clots running around in your body do a lot of damage. Yes, yes. And so after the stroke was starting to minimize, I had two heart attacks. Oh, my goodness. In one day. And that was because of the blood clots going through my heart. Okay. So I, I sat there trying to figure out what is wrong. And the doctors are going, this is... 
when you have blood clot issues that cause a stroke, this is not unusual. Okay. And they told me, they said, I said, well, just tell me the truth. How bad is this? The doctor said, you might die. Okay. But you're probably not going to. Because he said, overall, your body's pretty health, pretty healthy. So then I was a couple weeks more in the hospital. And then from being in the hospital, hospitals are not a good place to go. Yes. Because they're full of diseases. Exactly. And I picked up shingles in the hospital. Wow. Which I didn't know was a real thing. Sure. I'd never heard of it. And I lost the use of my left arm. Wow. For about six months. Six months. And it's come back pretty good. I play keyboards and I can play again. Wow. And, uh, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I had brain damage. Maybe I used to be incredible and I just think I've come back. <laughs> I oh, don't my know. goodness. But I, I came through all of that and God just restored pretty much everything back. Wow. And I, I just am really thankful to God. That I came through it unscathed. Well, I know that you and your family and your father, uh, you know the reality of God. You know the power of God. Mm -hmm. Tremendous testimonies you have seen of of healings, of angels, of just about everything they could imagine. I mean, your dad and I have talked for years, over 20 years. We've been on the same boards of of a man. And uh, I'll tell you what, your father has seen so many things. I know you have. And so we know the power of God, that God can heal, God can deliver, God can raise from the dead. Nathan? I have vivid memories of miraculous things. Yes. As a, a ch- the best one, the biggest memory of someone getting healed from something, when I was about 10 years old. Okay. Um, we were doing a revival somewhere in the Midwest in a big tent. And a Native American man came in, and he had one of those, this used to be a birth defect that was caused by nutritional deficit, and we don't have that as much anymore. Yes. And he was wearing one of those shoes that had about a six-inch thick sole to balance out his two legs so he could walk. Gotcha. You've seen those back yes, in those days. Yes, yes. We don't see those anymore. Right. Well, he... Um, he came in and he wanted prayer to make his long legs shorter. And my dad said, well, don't you want to have the short leg be longer? He said, no, because then I have to buy all new pants. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and my he was goodness. dead serious. He was dead serious. And he got healed. Praise the Lord. You know, we just came off a six-week tour, 25 states. Again, we need another great awakening. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm spreading to subscribe to Eagles Saving Nations. If you're listening to me right now, go to my website, www.worldministries.org. www.worldministries.org. Click on Eagles Saving Nations. We need another great awakening. We need to wake right. up Christians to the reality of the situation that is taking place today, trying to topple America. The vision and mission is to wake up Christians of the seriousness of the hour. We want to fill football stadiums, NBA basketball stadiums. We want to fill civic halls. 
churches too, but we need another great awakening. We need to get back to Pentecost, and that's the whole point. Subscribe to Eagle Saving Nations now. Now, you know, Nathan, you just talked about your dad. You just talked about the leg being healed, and uh, that's incredible. The one shortening up so so the pants, they don't have to buy new pants. I've never heard of that before. He said he could just cut the, the long leg shorter, but he can't make the short leg longer. You know, in this uh, 60... <clears throat> We just were gone for, again, six weeks, my wife and I, 25 states, holding meetings, meeting with leaders. And uh, this one lady came in a crippled, total crippled mm-hmm. for 10 minutes, commanding the legs to straighten out. They were all jumbled together. Mm-hmm. For t- You could watch the legs straighten out, straighten until she was perfect and walking, singing and praising God. Ladies and gentlemen, that's the God we serve. If you want to accept that God, Jesus Christ, telephone 360-629-5248. 360-629-5248. Father God, those that need your touch right now, touch them in the name of Jesus. Heal them right now. Heal them right now. Heal them right now in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Telephone 360-629-5248. Operators will be waiting. They'll be praying with you. They'll also send you Christian literature twice a month to help you on your journey. May God richly bless you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen, founder and president of World Ministries International. Warning Radio is a listener-supported program. We need your donations in order to continue airing these Christ-centered prophetic programs. Send your checks or money orders to World Ministries International, Post Office Box 277, Stanwood, Washington, 98292. To donate securely by phone, call 360-629-5248. Visit our website to find other ways of giving and a wealth of information about World Ministries International and host Dr. Jonathan Hansen. The website is worldministries.org. There, you'll also have access to hundreds of previously aired radio programs, made-for-television videos, thousands of articles, Dr. Hansen's books, and travel itinerary. Again, the website is worldministries.org. The phone number is 360-629-5248. Tune in at this same time, Monday through Friday, on this radio station for the next exciting edition of Warning Radio with Dr. Jonathan Hansen. Remember, the Lord is not slow about the promise of His return, as some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing for any to perish, but for everyone to come to the repentance that leads to eternal life.